fill the earth and subdue it. The word subdue, it comes from this Jewish Yiddish phrase. Have you heard of this word, uh, kabash is what it is. Have you ever heard of that? Ah, yeah, put the kabash on that. It's still a phrase that's used. To subdue means ah, kabash, that's the word. It literally means to put a stop to. You put the kabash on that. What God is saying is, hey, human beings, I want you to bring my stuff to this place. That's what he said to Adam and Eve. Bring my, my stuff to this place, and I want you to put the kibosh on anything that doesn't bring the goodness and the beauty of my creation. You, as my reflections, as image bearers of me, you put the kibosh on anything that doesn't bring the goodness and the beauty and, the, and what I want into, into this world. And, and, and God said we were created to do God's stuff, to put the kibosh. And I mean, even God said, name the animals. We get to name stuff for God. We get to, whatever garden you've been planted in, you get to name stuff for him and say, I'm claiming this for God. We're, we're going to put the kibosh on that. I mean, that's what the church, that's what we as followers of Jesus are called to do. And at the end of it all, Third day, fourth day, if he made human beings, at the end of making human beings, the sixth day, he didn't just say it was good. It was good. It was good. At the end of it all, he looked at his creation after the human beings were created and said, it's tov ma'od. It's very good. That's, that, that's the Hebrew. It's not just good. And tov literally means pleasant. We, we translate it good, and it was very good. It, it's hard to put... A, a, a phrase to the word Hebrew word tov because it means if you look it up it means so many things it means it means excellent agreeable prosperous harmonious I like the term in tune it's like God said man it's so in tune it's it's incredible and then it says after God had finished the work he takes a nap I mean, you can imagine God in this beautiful metaphor, right? He finished the work of creation, and he just goes, oh, this is it. I, I got these, this beautiful creation. I got these humans that are reflecting my image. I, I got them in the right relationship with me. Look at the earth. They're carrying and dressing and helping this place. They're, they're naming stuff for me. They're putting the kibosh on any of that stuff. There's a little serpent snake over there. I hope they put the kibosh on that thing. You know, uh, Look at this. It's so in tune. This is, it's incredible. And God just goes to sleep. I don't sleep well at night. <clears throat> Sorry. And it's because my life is never finished. My life is never in tune. Yet God, in all his complexity, in all of, of, of creation, he's able to take a nap. And sometimes I think, if I could just find and move myself into the story of God in a more beautiful way, could I just sleep a little better? Because my life's never finished. I've always got a lot of stuff going on. So, we were created to reflect God we were created to be in right relationship. We were created to do God's stuff. This is the Bible. It tells us that there's a story so big that it actually encompasses all of our stories and makes sense out of life in ways that we have never maybe thought of. 
And the reason that this story in Genesis is in the Bible is not to prove to us that we didn't come from monkeys. It's not to scientifically give us some sort of science book to show how it was really done in seven 24-hour days and this is the exact order and we can go crazy over all that. The reason this story is in the Bible is because this story is our story. Every day, Kent McDonald wakes up in the Garden of Spokane and I got a choice. To reflect God, to be in right relationship, to do God's stuff, or to live for myself, do my stuff, and not care for this place. That's the story we've been created to live in. Two years ago, I took a group of students down to Portland for a project we called Bridgetown, where we go down with students to serve the poor, the homeless in Portland. Portland's got per capita the largest homeless population in all of America. And so we go down to look at poverty. To, we live 24 hours on the street like homeless people. It's scary. Uh, we go down to uh, serve and to just get a picture of what it's like to be homeless and what do we do about it. Emily was going on the trip, but at the last minute she said she wasn't going on the trip. And then I hear from students, well, she's kind of having a hard time. She's smoking a little pot. She's you know, getting a little crazy. And I'm not sure she's going to come because I don't know if she wants to deal with this. You know, everybody's kind of talking about Emily. But at the last minute, Emily comes with us in the vans to go down to Portland from Spokane, about a five-and-a-half-hour trip, to go to Bridgetown to uh, serve. Well, night two, uh, we're in this little place we're staying in down on Burnside, which is this really tough part of town. And we got people helping us. So we're not just on our own freaking out. We got some people that are helping us here that work in these organizations. And we're putting together socks and coffee and sandwiches. I didn't realize that feet issues are huge amongst uh, homeless people. So we're putting all this together. And the, our job was just to go out on the street at night and just find some people out there and give, ask if they want some socks, give them a sandwich, and pour them a cup of coffee. So I had this backpack of coffee and Emily was holding these cups and we had these bags of, of, of socks and Emily's walking with you going oh, this is embarrassing you know I go what are you gonna say like I feel so weird she's got these cups and she goes we're just gonna walk up to somebody you know I could just tell this was not, and I was a little nervous too was walking out and and all of a sudden before we knew it we just met a guy and we started talking and it was so easy we poured coffee and a sandwich and we just had this conversation and it was easy it's, it's like nine o'clock at night and all of a sudden, Emily's gone, and uh, I see, I look down this alley, and she's walked down to this alley, which I was like, I don't know if we'll go down that alley, and there's a woman, she's in this little alcove, and she's having this conversation, she goes like this, and so, so I come down, and another person with these socks, and about 11 of us kind of gather around, and Emily's sitting on the, uh, on the corner, and she's talking with this woman named Carrie, she's in a wheelchair. And it's kind of raining, misting, and she had a cup of coffee. She said, thank you. And Emily just said, uh, how long have you been on the street? She said, I've been 20 years. And she shared her life. Carrie shared her life of having a husband, a family, and through a series of tragedy and cancer and another issue and a couple bad choices. This educated woman ended up on the street. And a few years ago, she had fallen, hurt her back. She, her feet, she's got struggles with her back. She's has to be in a wheelchair. And uh, Emily asked a few more questions, and one of the things Carrie finally said, it's hard to be a woman 
and be homeless. I don't know if this statistic is right. She said, I would guess that if you're a woman on the street, 90% of them have been raped. She said, I've been raped twice. So we're all sitting there going, wow, just in silence listening to Carrie tell this story in a wheelchair in an alley on a misty night with socks and coffee and a sandwich. And Emily says, how, how has that been? Like she asked the question you don't want to ask. Like, how's that been, being raped twice? She said, yeah. The second rape just happened some months back, and she pointed across the way and said, that the guy who raped me lives right over there. There's little cardboard, little plastic-covered things over there. He lives right over there. He said, there's nothing you can do about it if you're poor or you're in the street. No policeman, no lawyer is going to hear my issue. So I have to wake up every day and see him and struggle with that. And it's been damn hard. We're all just sitting there. Emily poured her another cup of coffee, and she was kind of shaking. And she said, but you know, about a month ago, I realized I had to have God help me forgive him. Because I can't look at him every day and have this hatred in my heart. So every day I wake up and say, God, help me forgive that guy. God's helping me so I can go on. And then she said, thanks for the coffee. Thanks for the socks. I, I'm going to go. I have a little shelter i got to go to, but thanks for helping me and listening to me. Um, you've been an answer to my prayer tonight. She rolled off, and we walked back to the shelter we were staying in. The rest of the group was ahead, and I was back with Emily, and I'm talking with Emily, and Emily started crying. <clears throat> And I asked her what's going on, and she said, I don't know, I just feel so humbled. Like, I get freaked out about my life and all these things. And here we are sitting with a woman, and we gave her coffee and socks. And she sees it as a blessing. I don't know. I don't know how much she, Carrie knows how much she blessed me with her story. She said, I feel like I found God tonight. That night, Emily stepped into the story she was created to live in. She reflected God for a moment with socks and coffee and a sandwich and two listening ears to a woman in a wheelchair. She reflected God. She was in right relationship for a moment. In that little alcove in the alley, everything seemed in tune. As she listened, asked the right questions and let go of herself. And she did God stuff. She served, and she stepped into the story of God. There's this verse in Jeremiah that says this. You will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart, or you seek me with all of your heart. I hope this weekend that we will search and seek and maybe step into the story a little more than we have been maybe over the last year. Jesus wants to invite us back to the story. So I hope you'll be open to seek and to search. Why? Because maybe if we could understand the story we were created to live in, it would help us to tend the story of our garden in a more beautiful way as we learn to live in this story, his story, the story that we were created to live in. Let me pray. God, thank you. Thanks for the privilege to be here. Thank you for the story 
We've been created to live in to reflect you, to be in right relationship, and to do God's stuff. Be with us now in your name. Amen.